The news for July 30 kicks off with this story on The Nation Builders. Has it ever occurred to you as a public-spirited citizen lately said to an audience that every Australian is, or should be, a nation builder? Realise, he said, that we are not born in Australia by mere chance. We are citizens of Australia for the purpose of carrying Australia on to her destiny. Each one of us has a duty to Australia, something to fulfil. Australia is at the turning point in her history. She is at the crossroads. Therefore, realise your responsibility as citizens. Take pride in your country. Value your citizenship. Not only should Australia be for the Australians, but Australians should be for Australia. If every citizen rendered service to her, we should lift her out of her troubles. This piece to lift us and bring us all together in troubled times comes to us from the Namurka leader in Victoria. For July 30, 1930, this was the news. many years ago and shares it with you in one news update. I'm Broderick Matthews, unmasking stories from history that can inspire us today. It's a rousing piece on nation building to kick us off for this week's episode of This Was The News. All the stories today coming to us from July 30, but way back in the year 1930. And it was a time for people to be rousing Australia to increase that national sentiment because we were in the middle of a depression at that point in time and that was the news dominating the papers. South Australia's plight was reported as follows in the Townsville Daily Bulletin. The acute depression through which the state is passing is alarmingly reflected in the lowered health of women and children. Doctors declare the state of public health was never at a lower ebb. Much of the sickness, including scurvy among children, they say, is due to malnutrition. Rations distributed lack vitamins, and this is responsible for a tremendous amount of malnutrition among mothers at hospitals, causing premature births and weak babies to an extent never before known in the history of institutions. Some families are living on bread and dripping. Oh, I just cannot imagine that now, listeners. Bread and dripping, bread and fat is all you're living on. But that's what they were coping with in the Depression. The article continues. The Anglican Bishop of Adelaide, speaking at St Peter's Cathedral, said Australia had forgotten God. Australians allowed themselves to become infected with the microbe of secularism and had abandoned themselves to luxury, extravagance, sport and pleasure without a saving sense of proportion. It's a bit harsh, really, blaming Australians for abandoning God as to cause the depression when, you know, there's a whole economy that's going on around there. Meanwhile, in Melbourne, uh, some free meals were uh, being complained about, and this was reported in the Sydney Morning Herald. Dissatisfaction with the free meals provided by the Salvation Army for unemployed workers was expressed by members of a deputation from the Trades Hall Unemployment Committee, which waited on the Minister for Unemployed Relief today. 
For some days, the Salvation Army kitchen has been declared black by a large number of men because they complained that the food was not sufficiently varied. The number of men standing out, however, has dwindled each day, many being compelled by hunger to disregard the advice of their leaders. The Secretary of the Unemployment Committee informed the Minister for Unemployed Relief that the men were dissatisfied with the Salvation Army menu because it was limited to boiled mutton and potatoes. Doesn't sound good, but it certainly sounds a whole lot better than bread and dripping. The article finishes off by saying that the Minister did promise to investigate these complaints about the food. Along with the depression, politics is of course featuring all throughout the papers. A lot of talk around budget and bringing the country out of depression. But a few bits and bobs come to us in the politics news from the Shoalhaven Telegraph in New South Wales. It is officially announced that the Communist Party intends to run a candidate in every electorate in the coming state election. Meanwhile, the Australian Party candidate, Mr Dunn, scored well at the Lane Cove election on Saturday, polling over 3,000 votes. Evidently, a good percentage of electors have grown tired of the old two parties, National and Labor. Moving on to federal politics, the Prime Minister, Mr Scullin, says it is outrageously untrue to say the government is not reducing expenditure. A saving of £5 million has been affected, he declared, and he added that the government will continue its policy. Meanwhile, the Federal Ministry draws £15,300 in salaries, of which Prime Minister Scullin receives £2,100. Now, the salary of £2,100 for the Prime Minister may not sound like much, but in today's money, that's about $175,000 a year. Moving on to other news, though, and this piece from the advertiser on housewives and the budget. The Housewives Association, at the request of many women, has convened a meeting to be held at the Town Hall next Tuesday afternoon to protest against the budget from the housewives' point of view. In the sun from Sydney, bang, the homemade gun test. A homemade gun was tested by a boy in a backyard at Roseville yesterday. It is not likely that he will repeat the experiment. He ran some gunpowder, made by himself, into an old iron pipe, and after applying a match to it, hastily retreated. It was well that he did so, for when the explosion occurred, pieces of the gun went in all directions. The boy was badly scared, and so was a cat which was thrown some yards. Potentially feel more sorry for the cat there, as uh, the cat didn't have much of a say in it. Anyway, moving along from guns to alcohol now, this piece from the Western Star and Roma Advertiser in Queensland. The Queensland Executive Council on Thursday approved a regulation dealing with confectionery, prohibiting the inclusion of certain ingredients in lollies. One of the prohibited ingredients is alcohol of greater than one half of 1%. Flavouring with whiskey, wine, brandy, rum, gin or other alcoholic liquors is banned. This action has been taken following the sale of lollies known as rum toffee. Yes, where else in Australia would you expect to find rum toffee but Queensland? Let's take a short break. The flowers 
does count. We have often received compliments on the care we give to the floral offerings at funerals. While this detail is sometimes neglected as unimportant, we feel that it is a duty we owe, not only to the dead, but to the surviving friends who provide these beautiful tributes of affection. For this reason, we arrange the flowers in the most attractive manner possible and give it the matter of the most careful attention. John Allison, 94 Victoria Street, Richmond. There was a man, and his name is Legion, who loves good cheese. He had tried all kinds and brands, had nosed his way among the weird products of other lands, but soon tired of them all. Even ordinary cheddar often upset his digestion and his temper, for sometimes it was too new and green, sometimes too old and strong. His wife confided at last in her grocer, who promptly said give him Rex luncheon cheese. It is full cream cheese made into spreadable form, when just at the correct stage of perfect maturity, and packed in handsome opal porcelain jars, four ounce and two ounce cans. Being always perfectly mature, its food value is always at the maximum. It is always an aid of digestion, and its flavour is always piquant and perfect. She took his advice, the man is happy. He never tires of Rex luncheon cheese. Welcome back to this episode of This Was The News, coming to you from the 30th of July, but way back in 1930. This piece of latest technology on radio telephony was published in the Sydney Morning Herald. What is claimed to be a world record in radio telephony was accomplished early yesterday morning when a conversation was conducted from an office in the GPO Sydney with an aviator 5,000 feet in the air over Buenos Aires. Mr Beer, an engineer of the radio telephonic service between Sydney and London, who represents the British Post Office Department in Australia, was carrying on a business conversation with London when he was switched over by landline to Madrid. Madrid announced that the radio connection with Buenos Aires was then reasonably good, Mr Beer was switched through and conversed for a time with the post office officials in Buenos Aires. It was suggested that the circuit should be extended to an aeroplane, then making a test flight in a radio-equipped aeroplane over that city. This was done, and a long conversation was maintained between Mr Beer and the aviator under these remarkable conditions. This is the most involved radio telephonic conversation yet carried out. It involved three radio circuits and several landline connections. In the outward journey, the voice was conveyed from the GPO in Sydney to Pennant Hills radio station, a distance of 17 miles, by radio to Baldock, England, a distance of 11,000 miles, by landline to London, 14 miles, by landline to Madrid, 1,100 miles, by radio from Madrid to Buenos Aires, 6,000 miles, and then by radio to aeroplane, 5,000 feet in the air. In all, the human voice was carried over 19,000 miles between Sydney and the aeroplane. If we convert that to metric, that's travelling 30,000 kilometres by land and then almost 1,500 metres into the air. Quite amazing indeed. The article continues on with this comment from Mr Beer. 
the wireless telegraph operator who made the call. He said, The conversation was clear, considering the conditions under which it was conducted. It was possible to follow all that was said, though the voice was somewhat blurred at times by atmospheric and other disturbances. Still, for 1930, I'm suitably impressed. And while that wireless communication might be impressive, there was a few complaints about some wireless news at sea, published in the West Australian. Criticism of the wireless news sent two ships from Australia was offered yesterday by Mr Edward E Hurst, Managing Director in Australasia for the British General Electric Company. Mr Hurst reached Fremantle from London on the mailboat Multan. He said that instead of following other nations in putting the best foot forward, Australia went out of her way to make conditions in the Commonwealth appear worse than they really were. Yes, apparently nations, when they're projecting the news outside of the country to the passing boats, would put out their good news. Australia wasn't quite so good. Mr Hurst said that he received the following news on the Multan when he was in the Indian Ocean. From Adelaide? Stated acute depression alarmingly reflected in bad health of numerous women and children who, suffering from insufficient and poor food, doctors declare state public health never at lower ebb. Then, across in Melbourne, this news was received. Three young men forcibly entered house at Brunswick early morning, knocked senseless husband and lodger who came to his assistance, and criminally assaulted young wife. Police patrol quickly responded to alarm and arrested three men who charged today with assault and rape. Hmm. It was time something was done to follow the example of other countries, which did not send out similar items to ships within wireless range, Mr Hurst said. I have met men on boats coming to Australia for the first time, he added, and they have asked me in all seriousness whether it was safe for their wives to walk about the streets of Australian cities. And from the story of Mail by Sail, we go to this piece on a booze cruise from the Northern Miner in Queensland. The Cunard Company in New York has inaugurated ocean whoopee excursions to nowhere. When the liner California sailed this evening, piloted beyond the 12-mile zone by revenue cutter, 500 women and 300 men tackled the job of consuming 16,331 bottles within an hour. After leaving New York, they will visit Halifax for replenishments if the present supplies do not last six days. There were 75 husbands and wives in the party, which also contained 300 unattached women. Those single women partying on on the booze cruise of 1930... And speaking of partying on, this piece on the man dancing all night at 80 from the Singleton Argus in New South Wales. Claiming never to have had a day's illness owing to his outdoor life, Osti Davis, aged 80, a Forbes farrier, is a keen old-time dancer since jazz became somewhat less popular. One ball finished at 5.45am. And Davis, who was there at the start, was in every dance till 4am, when he had to get ready for work. He denies that he escorted a young lady home. Glad to see the Singleton Argus clearing up the gossip around 80-year-old Osti Davis. Let's take a short break.
A prophylactic toothbrush, free to every reader. Now is the time to equip the whole family with toothbrushes, for they can be obtained free. A wonderful opportunity for every thrifty housewife to save money. Of course, it is not always an economy to take a thing because it is given away. An inferior brush, whose bristles may be dislodged with the first brushing, may cause severe gum irritation, maybe something worse. But when for nothing you can get a Colgate prophylactic made by British workmen, why no one should hesitate. A toothbrush is something everyone must have, and it is always a good plan to carry a few spares, especially when you can get them free. The retail price of these brushes, we are informed, is two and three each. Get yours today. You can't have too many toothbrushes. Your chemist or storekeeper will tell you all about this free offer. Welcome back to This Was The News for July 30, way back in 1930. We're coming to the end of today's piece, and I thought we'd move over to sports news, but to start with, this piece on the glorification of sport was published in the Western Star and Roma Advertiser. This is what it had to say. Strong criticism of the manner in which achievements in sport are acclaimed was made by the Archbishop of Brisbane, Dr Duick, when dedicating an extension to the Loretto Convent. He said, If we love culture, we give a very poor indication of it in our public life and in our newspapers, making as we do a frenzied display of hero worship over some sporting accomplishment, while men who made educational culture their life's work are ignored. Dr Duig added, that they had only to read the daily papers which starred cricketers, footballers, aviators and other movements of the moment, while the greatest intellectual geniuses received but a few modest headlines. Despite their wonderful work for mankind, these men were not starred in triumph through the streets like Miss Amy Johnson, or as Bradman would be when he returned, and Australia's neglect of them was a sorry reflection on the country. So while Dr Duig may think we celebrate our sportsmen too much, there wasn't much to celebrate at the end of the fourth Ashes Test, as recorded in the Port Pirie Recorder. Heavy rain fell all last night and again this morning in Manchester. The fourth Test match has been abandoned and added to the long list of drawn games. What a surprise, it's been raining in England. For once, the authorities took immediate action, abandoning the test before the majority of people had actually arrived at the ground. Rain fell almost all night long, with a series of deluges this morning. Yesterday's fiasco in admitting thousands of people, some paying as much as seven and six for a seat, when from the outset play was improbable, was a lesson, especially in view of the heated demonstrations when many considered the wicket hardly fit for the 45 minutes play which occurred. The Australians will now catch the afternoon train for Taunton, thus avoiding the threatened all-night journey. They will commence a three-day match against Somerset tomorrow. So if you missed out on your cricketing sporting action, you might be able to catch a little bit of tennis according to the age. 
slow-motion films of tennis champions will be shown tomorrow evening in the Association Clubhouse at Kuyong. Junior members are especially invited to be present and all Association members will be welcome. And if watching slow-motion tennis doesn't feel like a night of entertainment for you, then why not check out the beautiful colour pictures reported in the Tweed Daily from New South Wales. On Friday night next, in the Tilegum Literary Institute, Mr Stewart will screen many beautiful scenes procured by himself in ten different countries of the world. These pictures are not only interesting, but are also very instructive. They will convey to people many true impressions of the outside world. You are recommended to avail yourselves of the opportunity of viewing these pictures on Friday night next. To be honest, with the limited travel at the moment, I'd be availing myself of that, watching these colour pictures and pretending I'm in ten different countries of the world. Sounds like a great Friday night. And with those wonderful options for some entertainment, we come to the end of today's bulletin. For July 30, 1930, this was the news. Spoken and edited by Broderick Matthews. All source material is taken from the reference newspapers and found online through the National Library of Australia's Trove website. Links to each of the articles mentioned today can be found in the show notes. The theme music is from Beethoven's Symphony No. 6 and sourced under public domain from newsopen.org. If you enjoyed today's show, make sure to subscribe and review it on iTunes, Spotify or your favourite podcasting app. This Was The News can be followed on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and any email correspondence should be sent to thiswasthenews at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to today's episode. The next episode will be out in a fortnight, released on Thursday, August 13. I'm Roderick Matthews and this was The News.